2: is an outrage broadcasting outrage. live outrage.
0: from the kvec studios in san luis obispo what
2: economy are you talking about it's about. time
0: for mortgage matters.
2: mortgage
3: matters good morning everybody happy may 2nd thanks much for joining us this morning for those sticking around maybe some first timers you ought to know this is a we got to give a little warning here this is super boring Stuff all about the economy. We're gonna talk the Fed. We're in housing, interest rates. It's not super boring (laughs) for some people. It is, not me. right, no man. This keeps my fires burning. Absolutely. In fact, I I recognize the Saturdays that I don't get to do the show. (laughs) I I struggle um, all week long. I mean, this really is. It's a. It's like the fuel. How you doing? Yeah. Here you he comes. <laughs> Sorry, I turned on Matt's mic, not yours.
4: Matt is gone. Who's Matt? Dan is here.
5: <laughs> that happens all too often. Yeah. This is why I'm
3: gun
4: shy on even
5: talking in the first place. Oh, there it is. You never know when you're going <laughs> to speak yeah. into a
3: dead microphone. Yeah.
5: It's a really weird feeling when you talk, yeah. and then you can't hear yourself
3: in your own ears. I know, it's not crazy. Oh, I thought you were going to say when you talk and no one listens. and I was. Well, that happens constantly. <laughs> I was going to make some snide wife joke or something there. Oh, so how goes it? It goes great. Yeah. Yeah. April's done. Yeah. Uh, that really flew by, huh? Felt summery this week, didn't it? Hot. Mm-hmm. A little breezy. Allergic. I was You're... boasting how good allergies were going. And, then this, <laughs> and all of a sudden. This week is not fun, this one. Maybe it's just because you're getting older. The rest were okay. No, man, I feel. I think I did better this year. Unless it's just starting later. You're three days away from your late thirties. I know you're right about that. Man, it just goes for the throat. Do you see it? <laughs> <laughs> from your late thirties? <laughs> Wait, you're already there. I know. I've been in the late thirties like for an extra older month. Than me. Yeah. <laughs> How is it? Any new creaks or aches? No, it's the same. Oh, well, that's good. Same creaks, same aches. Yeah. <laughs> excellent huh what's going on today
5: well it's car show weekend out in Morro bay
3: oh yeah it's
5: uh last night was the cruise night for and the last several days my day is disrupted throughout the day with rumbling cars ro- rolling down Morro bay boulevard as they all get into town but it's fun it's fun to see all the Cars. Cruise night's always cool. It's kind of a nostalgic. Did you hang out down there and watch? I didn't last night, no. No, No, the the age of the kids doesn't really make that a fun experience right now. Yeah. My son would probably like it, but we have a
3: seven-month-old baby girl who I don't think would appreciate that. She may never be in the cars. (laughs) (laughs) Just letting you know. Unless they're pink or something. Yeah. That's how it is at my house. But yeah, today's the big day, though. It's
5: car show season. What we have the Pismo one that comes up in a month or two.
3: That's always on like Father's, it's usually
4: Day, a Father's Day weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. it's a fun yes.
3: one. That's It's a, a
4: lot of fun, but there's so many people. It's how Morro Bay is. Yeah. It's packed. Yeah, which is good. Good, you know. Don't it's get good for really all good. the
5: towns. The that, yeah, the in all the businesses, it's great for them. It sucks when I want to, you know, go somewhere quickly and mm-hmm. not have to. Go behind the guy who doesn't exactly know where he's going. Yeah. Well,
4: I look at it this way. I don't wah. go down there. Any-
3: That's <laughs> what you get when you live where people vacation. Dude. I know.
4: <laughs> I don't go down anywhere in Pismo Beach between now and September. Oh, <laughs> <But> The whole <laughs> summer three, is yeah. out. At all? Okay. <laughs>
3: hey, aren't they building um, like Pismo World down there now? Is there something Didn't going Didn't that in? go through? Like they're tearing out all that parking lot and putting in a big hotel resort thing? I
4: guess so. I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that just yet. I know they need the parking down there. So they have to somehow keep parking. Hmm. Especially through the summer. But uh I I I had heard something that there is
3: some sort of thing going on. I just on. saw something proposed. Yeah. That, and then um, you know, public not happy about development and I thought I the most recently I saw a second hotel was approved. Oh. There you go. That's what I thought I remember seeing.
4: Let me huh. go see if I can. What the I saw like
3: newspaper a, does for me. I saw a, well. That's where I saw it online. <laughs> <laughs> the online, n- mm. the, the news online. Yeah, I was on the line reading the <laughs> news. <laughs> 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 so techie. Yeah. Ah, boy. Well, Dan, what happened this week? Ooh, you know what was really exciting this week? What? Um. The feds had a meeting, right? The 28th, 29th, I think, was the the dates, and they released their uh, statement. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, they did not raise interest rates. They didn't. In fact, they changed their language a little bit to
5: the negative. Yeah. Pretty much every category of the economy that they talked about, the wording painted a a downgrade across the board it, you know some of the well i actually
3: don't have the but did they the reinsert patient
5: no patience gone um they also tried to get away from calendar expectations of of rate changes but then that you know they they go through and they talk about the different sectors of the economy they talk about housing they talk about uh jobs they talk about spending um various things and you know things that were moderate were or you know things that were that were growing were were now flat or yeah
3: the pace of jobs gains moderated mm-hmm. and unemployment remained steady. It uh, was just yeah so that's was like a bummer. That the L- lots of words like that about um Growth in household spending declined. Um, households' real income rose strongly. That was one of the statements in there that was probably pretty good. Um, but they said then immediate, It's almost like it had an asterisk, uh, partly reflecting earlier declines in energy prices. Um, then they, they did say consumer sentiment remains high. Um, business investment softened. The housing sector remained slow, and exports declined. As you read this thing, you could almost like hear the blues in the background. Yeah, really. Um, kind of, kind of a bummer, frankly. Um, and the good news though is that that means that interest rates aren't going up right away. I mean, I call that good news. If if only because this is what we do for a living, and we're enjoying the low interest rates. And I think the housing market is still enjoying the low interest rates. Um, it's kind of like the steroids.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's the last form of stimulus that we have right now. And it's, it's, I, I really wonder what the housing market would look like right now with the way housing prices have rebounded across the country. Really? Um, we had Tom Bordenaro on last week and and he shared that not everywhere has recovered the, the peak values, which actually is surprising to me because most areas I think have. But he said there's still a few pockets, depending on when someone bought or where they bought, where maybe they haven't recovered full value. But my when I look around at the different loans that we're doing in different areas, and you know part of part of every loan process usually involves looking up uh, a, what's called a property profile. It's it's just a little informational piece about that property um, that's. Offered by one of the title company databases, and it usually shows the last transaction or the last couple of transaction sales, and so you can kind of see what where the peak was and what it sold for, and if we're back. And most everything that I've seen, um, you know, seems to have recovered most, if not all, the value. But with with pricing back up to you know top values, what do you think the housing market would be looking like if rates weren't at three and four percent. Do you think there'd be no activity like it is right now? You well I mean there's not even that much activity. and It's mostly because if of they, supply. If
3: they already like if they went up just say this year or in the last year. I mean there's no question we definitely needed the stimulus to the rate market to get people going and, and buying to stabilize the perception and value of real estate. I think we definitely needed that. Um if if we never had those low rates, it's hard to imagine what would have happened. But you know, I and mean, if, just today, if rates were six percent, which is on the low end of normal, <clears throat> I think man, you would. How I, many people would be priced out? I think it would cool off quite a bit. I really do. I mean, it it starts to cut in. I think a bit more. I was going to say into the average affordability, but we know that the average person can't yeah, afford, afford the house. average house, right? So you crank that down a little bit more. Um, yeah, the rates, we definitely have the rates to thank for uh, the activity level and the return of of property value.
5: You know, I, I said 6% at the low end of normal. I think 6 to 8% is, is kind of that normal range that historically has been the normal range. From time to time, I hear some of the, the talking heads across the different media sources talk about, are we now addicted to low rates? Do we have to have low rates to further growth or further housing and and you know continue with any kind of positive movement in these sectors is six to eight percent no longer a normal range for interest rates or, or is four to six percent going to be the new normal
3: well i mean don't we as a country don't we want our cake and eat it too in most every aspect well, we want on. a we want a long term fixed rate mortgage. Is what we want with a really low rate and a guaranteed very low rate.
5: But I want to put my money in the bank and make lots of money on that.
3: Naturally, I want it to you be do. safe and I want to have a good return. Of course, you do. You and you deserve that. <laughs> I mean, after all, you've worked hard and earned it. And <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the the catch twenty two of it all. Um, and we talk about this from time to time, but this is why the majority of the world uh, real estate loans are based on adjustable rate loans, where the the rate of financing kind of trucks along with the economy. When you're attempting to, to smooth out the fluctuations in the interest rate economy by giving everybody 30-year fixed-rate mortgages, at some point, yeah, I think you kind of do put yourself in a chokehold. I wonder about that, too. Um, If rates went up to six or seven percent, would people lose that that hunger for real estate that we have today? Would we have a more natural five percent vacancy factor where you could list your house to sell and and buy a new one or something? Um, Or maybe not even lose the hunger, but it it becomes like an it's an upper class thing. Oh, you own real estate, you must be rich. Well, West. I was talking to West this week. He, you know, he got back from that. Um, he was at the California Association of Realtors meeting in Sacramento, um, and he was sharing that the home ownership rate is. I mean, and this is no secret. We see this all the time. Home ownership rate has declined basically since uh, what the Clinton era, right? I mean, that was when I think home ownership hit an all time high, and well, even- it hit a high in two 2000- thousand. Five or six ish. Was that the high though of owner-occupied home ownership? I don't. I, Maybe I just so. Not, the home in ownership
5: any, rate like approached, if not exceeded, seventy percent at the peak of. Yeah, this I was going to say like
3: 68 percent, and that that's pretty darn good, especially when you put it in the context of around the world. There are countries where twenty percent of people actually own the house they live in, um, and that number today is. Um, like south of 50% and that he's saying that it's the the smartest people in the room are talking that this this is going down and will continue to go down for a period of time. Um, maybe said it was below 60%. I'll have to look it up. But at any rate, the point being is that less and less people are owning homes and we were on a path where we were growing home ownership and now it's been retracting and it's been retracting for years. So is that the the new norm that hey you know one out of two people actually are even interested in owning their home anymore, or or maybe more than interested, but um, that it's just possible only only fifty percent of people are able to own real estate now. Who knows? But uh, these low rates certainly are helping encourage people to do it, especially. In the, you know, the headlines recently, most everything I read, and I get bored with these articles, so I, I blow past them quick, but they're talking about how expensive rent is everywhere. I I saw one of those this morning. There was one in the paper this morning about
5: how rents have risen much faster than, than um, pay increases have occurred. And now in the United States, one in four renters has to use at least half of their family income to pay for housing and utilities. That's a lot. So that's that's a lot of your income going towards housing.
3: And it's really the the real bummer to it is that it it's disproportionate to the the you know the the lower middle class and lower class folks where if you if you live in I don't know, let's say you live in San Jose. There's some places in San Jose where you know people are are working and renting and not a real optimistic outlook on ever being able to buy say you're making four grand a month and your rent it could be $2,500 a month I mean that's those are some real numbers that's what is being talked about all around the country now uh, those things and in there there's a real double-edged sword by the way it's on one hand it's really nice that the rents are high and it, it reminds people that hey get out and buy yourself something you need to quit throwing your money down the rent hole Flip side of that coin: When you're spending that much of your money on rent, you can't save for a down payment. Yeah.
4: Well, plus, what I don't think they include, and maybe I'm wrong here, is utilities. That's just the rent, right? So, well, utilities this is that this are actually for rent?
5: housing and utilities. Okay. They're that using particular at least one. Half their family income. Okay. Yeah.
4: Because you know, with your, you might have a, a house payment that's lower. I don't. I don't know. Depending on how much money you could, you know, put down.
5: It, it's it depends around here it's it's different well along these same lines I, w- I went into Foster's in Morro Bay and grabbed a burger for lunch uh, earlier this week and I overheard one of the girls behind the counter talking about finding a place I don't I didn't hear what city it was in but she said something about having to pay $800 dollars just to share a bedroom.
3: Huh. somewhere well, 800 bucks a month i could only imagine it's yeah. san luis obispo no it's Got gotta it. be in Bay. <laughs> nobody but that's crazy nobody rents yeah. a room in san luis and then drives to Bay to work at foster freeze do they i don't know maybe if they're going to school she probably lives like school. on cayucas on the water i don't know 800 bucks no rent is very to expensive share a room? and um yeah. i talk about this with a lot of my clients because i get a lot of people that come in and they're like all right you always say it's always a good time to figure out, you know, what your options are and stuff. So here I am. Okay, well, here's what we can do for you. You know, you start talking about <laughs> rent and payments and all that kind of thing. You know what the the interest rate is on rent? <laughs> it's a lot, hundred percent. Yeah, you're building no equity when <laughs> you pay 100% rent. It's hundred percent. You're building interest. equity for someone else when you somebody pay rent. else, <laughs> and probably more likely somebody else's kids right. are super pumped that you uh bought their parents a house so then one day they inherit that house. I mean it, that's and I realize that not everybody can buy because of the price of real estate and stuff. And you know what Tom was saying is that those parts around the county that haven't fully recovered their value, like um the North County He said where the biggest areas of, of development were. So he, he mentioned Napomo and he mentioned uh Pass Robles. Mubles. Right. Um so and those are kind of still some of the affordable opportunities. So it's kind of funny like those were kind of the the biggest last push of high values and the the slowest to last recover, but those today are the opportunities again for people. So, you know, that's kind of the the thing of it is is that you can most people can afford to buy something it's it's where it is and how inconvenient is it to have to drive all the way across the county, uh, you know, like you're the Foster's gal if she's working in in Morro Bay and living in slow to share a room, that's a tough haul, you know. Yeah. But, I live in the South County. I'm sorry, Dan. Go ahead.
4: I live in the South County. How do you see Grover with the promise of fixing the roads? I mean, it seems think- like it's maybe a little less expensive to live in Grover right now. It is. I but, think what you.
5: I mean, Pismo is like your your most expensive. Rio Grande is pretty expensive too. Mm-hmm. And then as you go south, it yeah. it gets less expensive. But Grover's I, up and coming. So it's a. I'll admit I don't I don't know
3: enough about five cities. I okay. I've said this before. This county is a trip. How yeah. um, the place where you are, like yeah. your little pin on the map, mines in St. Louis. Yeah. like. Ninety-something <laughs> percent of my business happens right here within city limits. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I don't work in AG every day, I'm not getting those transactions, and I'm not um, in tune with what's around there. Yeah. But is Grover Beach more affordable because the roads are slummier? Morro well, Bay has road. bad roads, too. Or okay. are the roads slummier because the the city itself is more affordable? Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the other thing is when I do see transactions that are around um Grover or mm-hmm. uh AG, it seems like sometimes on on the same street you can go from one city to the next and suddenly <laughs> yeah. the value of real estate changes so dramatically. I um, live on
4: one of those streets where Parvitz, Grover, Parvitz, Royal Grandy, but you have to go through Grover to get to a Royal Grandy. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah i I know what you're saying yeah and the,
3: there's I think Newport is the one that every time it pops somebody says oh my house is on Newport I'm like are you on the good part of Newport or the part <laughs> that gets punished for zip code yeah um, and because the, they're not that far away you can like throw a rock from one to the other but in yeah. terms of value it's radically different and I understand mm-hmm. it has something to do with the school district and then it has something to do with the prestige of what city you live in yeah. I live in AG. Oh, you're one of the Grover folk. Yeah. You know, so, but (laughs) I I get this question all the time, though, about something like the roads or in Los Osos, something like the sewer. Is now that the sewer is going in, is that going to have a big dramatic, you know, effect on value? No. It's been priced in. It's always been known. All those people that own those houses in Grover, they bought them when the roads were crap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, and what I remember seeing that they were looking for a bond measure to be able to fix the roads. What happened there? That
4: that passed. And uh, So so, what got
3: more expensive? Sales tax? Was that... uh,
4: The property taxes, I think. Property? Yeah, it's like, I'm not sure how much. Okay. I do know that... um, there's a, you know, they're, they're planning on fixing that. And I talked to one of the city council people a lot in Grover and uh, Oak Park is actually going to be fixed through a different bucket of money, <laughs> bucket of money but they're waiting on the, the gas project out here on South Igera, which we get a drive through uh-huh. to get done. And then the crews are going to down, go down there and tear up Oak Park and fix the gas line. So that will help a lot with just the entrance to the city right sure. there but they're waiting on fixing the street to get the gas line replaced
3: first, which makes sense. I got a rough riding truck, yeah. Yeah. and when I drive down Oak Park, I'm like, man, this is a rough road. There's some potholes out there that are like six inches deep. And I yeah. think most <laughs> i think most cars kind of soak some of those things up. A big truck does not. Like, I mean, it's like driving over curbs, driving down the middle of the road down there. So, hey, it'll be nice when you guys get the roads dialed in. Yeah, that'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) At at what cost? Um, Hey, we need to do a commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. Uh, Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters.
0: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: we're the mortgage experts on the central coast central coast lending central coast lending when you buy or refinance a home just call 543 loan just call 543 loan just call 543 loan -LOAN. on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
4: Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending,
6: the mortgage experts.
1: What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State
0: Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason, from Citra Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. <laughs> ¶¶
4: we're back
3: yes we are (laughs) i was about ready to open my mic and say so uh, are we back (laughs) just enjoying the music yeah i was i was totally i i mean i like 32 bars before i'm ready to interrupt it (laughs) on that one anyway let it go for a while and then Oh, yeah. well, aren't we
5: limited to like seven seconds or something? Yeah, you probably have to pay a few bucks for this song now.
3: This has got to be. it has got to be one of the free ones, right? Hey, didn't that guy we're from hot. ACDC ke- have somebody killed or try to have someone killed or There's something? There's
4: something about that, but he tried for some yeah dirty deeds see, done dirt cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it
3: is. He pled guilty yeah that's pretty Um. impressive not too many people do that reminds me of the guy on shawshank he says the only guilty man in shawshank (laughs) 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 who goes on trial and pleads guilty great movie weird um wow so uh i wanted to talk a little bit about this because i i think it's kind of a, a pertinent talk but um This week I built several spreadsheets for myself on my personal (laughs) loan to evaluate uh, whether or not I would trade out my loan, personal loan. I have a 30-year loan, and I was considering getting a 15-year loan. And so um, this is kind of a conversation that a lot of people could probably stand to benefit from. Um, And we can kind of talk loosely about what it means when you do something like this. Um, so first of all, loans come in all shapes and sizes, right? We can do a 30-year loan, 25-year loan, 20-year loan, 15-year loan, 10-year loan, um, and and really any number in between. That name your term kind of thing, you could do a 23-year loan if you like. One of the things that happens with loans, though, is that... Um, they're, they're valued in securities. And for what it's worth, for fixed rate loans, there's really two, right? I mean, you got like the 30-year security. It's where they put 20, 25, and 30-year loans. Um, and then there's a 15-year security where they put 10s and 15s. Um, the, and, and the reason they go into the same is because they sort of – Can be predictable in the same terms, but also their interest rates are very similar. You don't get a big break for doing a 20 year versus a 30 year, right? I mean, by and large, the interest rate's really the same. You save a little bit of money on closing costs, but it's pretty rare that you're gonna actually get a lower interest rate to do a 20 year loan.
5: I think it's also just a function of volume. There's not that many 20 and 25 year transactions. So you can't can't have your your own 25
3: year security. I think you're right about that. Um, So, why would somebody get a 20 year loan? Just because they,
5: um, you know, if they've been paying on a mortgage, they don't want to feel like they're going backwards by resetting their term back to 30 years if they're 10 years in. I think it's more of a psychological thing. Yeah, that's
3: what I was going to say because if the rate's just the same. Um, there, here's a part of me having been nipped pretty good. I mean, I, I lost a good paying job in 2007 in the mortgage business. And then we started our company. Uh, And by the way, guys that I don't know if you're around, but the, uh, real estate and mortgage business in 2007, 2008 was kind of rough. Um, so I lost a really high paying job and found myself, um, just partially in love with the industry. I do. I love this business. Um, But also, one of those things where it's like, what I know, and I wasn't wanting to reinvent myself is something that I'm good at. And um, I really wanted to stay in it. So I suffered, I mean, greater than 50% decline in income. um, And that was tough to readjust to. So Oftentimes, when I'm sitting down with folks, I like to remind people that those kind of things happen. And it's not just when you suffer like a global recession like we did. Uh, But, you know, sadly, um, sometimes people come into my office where their spouse recently passed away or um, is battling cancer and unable to work and the disability payments much less and a sudden shift in the household economics. Sometimes it's a, a, a dissolution of marriage, just can't get along anymore, we need to split up and um, with two incomes or a great economy or whatever is going on, a 20-year loan payment, that's no big deal. You're, you're cruising and doing just fine, happy to be on pace to pay your loan off in 20 years. Um all of a sudden you hit that rough patch, and you're like, man, if I had a 30-year loan right now, the payment would be $1,000 less a month or something along these lines, and that would make all the difference for you in that period. So, like you said, it's psychological, Dan. I'm gonna say I agree with you, because if you get, let us I want a 20-year loan. That's what I want. Um, It's the same rate as a 30-year loan. How about I take the 30-year loan and just make the 20-year payment? There's no penalties for doing that, right? No,
5: there's not. But some people don't have that discipline. Right. And so it builds in
3: structure for you to stay on the 20-year track. Yeah, you could pay the minimum payment and not send that elective additional $800 a month or something like this. Um so that's kind of the thing is, yeah, it's psychological for some people. For others, they you're able to recognize, um, you know, at the ripe old age of 36 years old, I recognize that I'm not the best with electively paying more for things. So I like that added accountability of being signed up for something a little bit beefier because, hey, I've I've never not made my minimums. <laughs> Whatever they are, I'm going to get that done. Um and then, you know you know what I'm saying? There's some people that just, you recognize that about yourself. I need that. Um, and so for some people, they fully recognize that you're holding yourself to the flame that day you sign that note, but you know that that's just the the tough love you need to give yourself to have that house paid off by the time you're 57 as opposed to 67. That's a big deal to you. Um, but there's no big benefit in interest rate, So it's a conversation that's really supposed to be had. Now, the difference between a thirty-year and a fifteen-year, now we're talking. Um, in the in most markets, that difference can be as much as an entire percentage point. So you start talking about um, a whole percent over fifteen years of a mortgage. Man, you might cut your interest costs down from three hundred thousand dollars to ninety thousand bucks or hundred thousand bucks. That's a big deal. Um, Shorter amortization term, though, you're jacking that payment up pretty good. Um, for some people, it's a great idea. Uh, for others, it's not. But that's one of these things where um, I just don't think it gets talked about enough. And, you know, I one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up on the show today is I was sitting here thinking there's so many people out there that are probably feeling that way. They keep hearing all these commercials about how low rates are. Um, maybe you have a good rate. Maybe you have like a 4.5% rate that you've had since, you know, those four and 4.5s, we were doling those out in 2003. So maybe you're 12 years in now on that. And um, thinking about, you know, hearing of all these people that refi and, and you're, you don't want to refi just to get your payment down or cost yourself some time. You don't want to refi to knock yourself off track. Um, a 15-year loan for somebody like that, get down i mean 15s are less than three percent interest right now so you you might even be able if you're going from a four and a half to a two and three quarters and you know going from 18 years left i'm using my like 2000 um 2003 guy 2003 guy to um 15 years left if you do a new 15 year loan just cutting off three years of a couple thousand bucks a month i mean what's 36 months by two grand a month 72 grand so just stopping early not to mention any amount of that um if there is a savings you can go ahead and add that to your seventy-two thousand dollars savings and then additionally you know that 25 percent of mortgage interest is paid in the first five years of a loan that's a that's a real stat so if you've had your loan longer than five years you are um not getting the full interest write-off that you might be. So sometimes you can actually refinance into a shorter term loan and find yourself with higher uh, interest deductibility even though your payment is lower. Does that sound weird? I feel like that sounds weird. You could save more money every month on your taxes if you redid your loan so that your interest was maximized this year again. so again you know i I took up this task for myself sitting down to evaluate whether or not i should Um, because the reality is i can afford my house payment and i have a good interest rate Um, and dan called me out i'm turning 37 this week and i thought hey Maybe I should. Maybe I should do a 15 year loan um, and greatly reduce what I'm paying in interest, but also um, radically accelerate how soon my house is going to be paid off so that I could put that into the retirement basket as well. Um, So I sat down and started crunching an awful lot of numbers. um, And you know what came back around is that talk of, well, in five years, I got my first kid in college. I might be really wishing at that point I had the 30-year payment instead of the 15-year payment. Um, or in five years when that kid's in college, you know, my car is going to be five years older, so maybe I'll have different needs and stuff. Um, but this, this I think, is an important conversation for everyone really to think about is to to don't just think of your your loan as just your house payment or whatever, but try to think of it in that bigger picture about whether or not you you should refi, whether or not you should take a shorter term. Sometimes I've seen people come out of a 15-year loan where now the kids are going to college, so they go into a 30-year loan to reduce their monthly nut while they have those additional expenses, um, figuring that they'll get back on the path of, you know, banging it out again after the, the drain on the cash flow is done in the next four years. So there's an awful lot of um, consideration and analysis and care that can go into figuring out what the right loan is for somebody. Um, And then I was reminded again this week because I find I'm better at doing this analysis, I think, than most anybody I know. I do it a lot. But you know what happens when you're doing your own? You can't separate your emotions. You can't separate your desires and your wants from your needs and your your musts. And so um, you quickly, I, I realized that um, it's really nice to have somebody, and I'd say somebody like me, that you can come to that just gets the math, can talk to you about what things may be on the horizon that you might need to plan for or take into consideration, um, and just present all of the options and then the analysis of this is what this will do, this is what this will cost you, this is when this is done, all these different things, and help kind of give you that, that view of what what this transaction means to you apart from your emotion, you know? Um, and that, I think, is really a big deal. Um, math is one of my favorite things. I really like math, and I feel like math is kind of the universal language, Right. It is. The numbers may look a little bit different, but they add the same way. We go around the world, it transcends language. So uh, math is one of these things that we can really all communicate in. And math doesn't have a lot of room for emotion and, and discretion and things like that. Um, and so, you know, like I said, it, it was just a good reminder to me that um, the those are some of the things that we do that really set us aside from from cash call or quicken or or just working with somebody that's out of the area like you there's a there's an ability to sit down and really get some help i mean i i recognize that it starts to to get a blurred line between financial planning in some respect versus just doing a loan for somebody because yeah i think truth be told most anybody could just do a loan um, but can you, can you do a loan um, that's just the very best loan for somebody and help them understand what their options are and why this is the best one? That I think is a big difference.
5: Because I like the the problem solving aspect of those kind of those scenarios, like your guy who got a four and a half in two thousand three. I my mind started to go down that path as you were talking, and I'm thinking, well, gosh, if he's been in it for. 12 years, he might be to the point where he's paid the bulk of the interest and it doesn't actually make sense to get into a 15 year loan. So I just did the numbers and I thought the results were kind of interesting. Let me share them here. All right. So I just took a $100,000 loan. You started with a $100,000 loan in uh, 2003 and you got a 4.5% 30 year fixed. You're paying a mortgage payment of roughly 500 bucks a month. Okay. And your total interest that you're going to pay over the life of that loan was a little over $82,000. Fast forward to today, 12 years forward, you've paid off all but 30, you've paid all but $35,000 of that interest. You've nearly paid 50, two thirds of it, $50,000 of interest on that loan. And your principal balance is down to 75 grand. So you refinance that loan into a 15 year at say two and three quarters today. <clears throat> your payment stays right about 500 bucks a month. And your interest for that fifteen year loan is only sixteen thousand dollars. You're saving almost twenty thousand dollars in interest. Which is that roughly kind of surprising to me.
3: Roughly half of what remains. More than half it, of what remains. More than half of what remains, but in, in a position where you're only twelve years through that loan and you've already paid two thirds of it. Yeah. So yeah, what you're for those that can't track well at home, we're reiterating the point here that um, it is a tremendous difference there. Because what happened here, the the monthly cash flow stays the same. Um, you get out of three years worth of payments. You also are saving interest based on if you had just stayed the course. And that's kind of counterintuitive, I think, to a lot of people. Refinancing means you kind of resetting. Hey, for one reason or another, it wasn't working for me. Uh, my budget's too tight. I need to refi because I need to save 200-something bucks a month. That's going to make the difference for me. Um, that's not always what it means. In fact, we wrote an article a few years back about refinancing into a higher payment. Um, people, Some people should refining if you can afford it things are going great and your expected income at work you're on an upward trajectory where you're working from level two to level three or you're poised to be in management in a few years or like when I worked at Caltrans we had a um, we had this sheet that was by your job classification and it had how many hours absolutely nothing to do with performance Um, But when you hit like you'd been on the job for 20,000 hours, here's a raise for you. Thanks for longevity of service. So you can really start to back into it. Okay, well, if I work 40 hours a week, um, then, oh, in three and a half years, I'm due a pay raise just simply for existing, if nothing else. Um, but when you can sit, if you can make those kind of assertion about what your trajectory and things are, sometimes people are in a good spot to refinance into something higher. Like I said, when I did mine, I'm looking at kids going to college and probably needing braces and, you know, my cars aren't going to last 10 more years and all these different, all these different reasons why, you know, i it was a fun thing and I'm glad I did it I now feel really good about my decision to not I'm happy staying with the loan that I have um, but it's just to take a good look at it project what you' what is on the horizon for you and figure out what's going on I keep seeing these things it happens every few months it happened again this month where some economics firm somewhere in the country comes forward and says you know, U.S. consumers have an average mortgage interest rate of, like, 6%. And it's, like, mind-blowing. And then they say that if if these people came forward and refinanced, the average household would save $2,500 a year on their interest. Um, and then, you know, you start pushing those numbers out, and we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that – are doing nothing more than going into the pocket of the people that charge interest. So, you, you know, and isn't that maddening? If you go around and poll most people, hey, who do you hate? Um, generally, the banks are is what's going to come up, <laughs> right? I mean, the IRS and the banks. And he, here's a here's a just a great example of how people could save money, but but they just don't because they're Sitting on the couch saying, that doesn't make sense for me. They're talking to somebody different than me. I don't need to refinance. When you refinance, you, you're you screwing yourself. My dad always told me that.
2: We're you know,
5: helping a guy purchase a new primary residence. And the down payment money, the 20% down payment is coming from equity he has in rental property. Because he's got multiple rental properties, some of them free and clear, a couple of them with very modest mortgages compared to the, va- the value. So he's going to pull some equity out of a couple of these properties that have loans on them because he's got so much equity, he can still get money out of these things. And he's got existing loans of six, high sixes and low 7%. And it's, I mean, it's totally baffling
3: redo your portfolio and it wasn't
5: it wasn't a function of the homes were upside down i couldn't do it i mean i'm just like yeah what's going on here you must like paying interest yeah i don't i don't
3: like paying interest i really don't either it's i mean sometimes i'll get something in the mail for like my credit card that says something about zero percent purchase or something for a year and i start thinking well Dude, can I pay the mortgage on this thing? And (laughs) (laughs) there's got to be. Why
5: don't they put a credit card number? There's got to be something that we can
3: do here to take advantage of zero, because there's certainly some things in life that are not zero. (laughs) Interest is a frustrating thing, and um, you know. So yeah, that's a just a general call out. I think to anybody that has been sitting on the couch saying. Uh, my loan's just fine. I can afford it. I have equity. I have a plan. I don't need to refi. Um, it Maybe not. Maybe you don't. Maybe we do a couple spreadsheets for you and arrive at that same conclusion. Uh, what if you're that guy, though, that comes in and then finds out that for the exact same payment, you could get out of three years worth of paying? Um, in that $100,000 scenario guy you did for 500 bucks a month, that payment stays the same. He's going to get out of three years worth of paying five hundred bucks a month. That's eighteen grand.
5: That's the savings. Right he started
3: out with a hundred thousand dollar loan. <clears throat> so just because of being smart enough to move loan programs and midstream, uh, thank thankfully to a, a lower interest rate environment, you're telling me this guy can save. Eighteen percent of the original cost of the loan. If you just refied now to the exact same payment, yeah.
5: And when you add, I mean, twenty grand or whatever it was, close to twenty grand in savings. It's for a hundred thousand dollar loan. I mean, the typical loan around here is upwards of three, four hundred grand. So, so
3: four hundred grand. What that might be a hundred thousand dollars. We're talking, yeah, eighty plus thousand. Do you know here? how hard it is <laughs> to save a hundred thousand dollars? I. I mean, I can tell you it's pretty darn hard. In fact, what's a great what if you're just really just kicking booty here at life, saving a thousand bucks a month? How long is it going to take you to save a hundred grand? It's about a hundred months. That's a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So again, we we all are in this benefit today of a low interest rate environment, which we believe to be sunsetting. Um, it's it's not going to remain forever so here we are in this low interest rate environment where somebody might be able to save things like we've given a couple of realistic examples a twenty to a hundred thousand dollars if you know well and it's fun to be able
5: to use these tools you know this it's it's really neat to see where you're at exactly to the month of what you owe and how much interest you've paid on your loan to date and then to see what a new loan would cost you or save you in interest and and to run out the, the math and see okay here's potential savings but now let's talk about real life right what do you expect to be happening in your life over the next however many years and and that, that's the conversation that that occurs here's what could be possible but let's factor in
3: life situations and anticipate those well yeah because we and and I mean, I've done this analysis before, Dan, so I I picked 2003 on purpose. I don't think there's an awful lot of people running around that got their 2003 vintage loan. There are some, and I see them, so I know they're out there. But that's not everybody. So maybe there's somebody that's somewhere in the middle there. They got a loan in 2009. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Um, So they're not that the the exact same period into their loan they've actually been paying for six years so in that case going into a 15-year loan for them might equal the payment going up by a little bit right so those those are the people that need to then do all of that what's what's going to change for me you know like when i said i started this out because of myself as an example that's what it came down to for me. I know what's going to change for me. I got some expenses coming that um, I can bank on. Uh, Some people don't or don't anticipate that, or they think they're going to have more income or something. I mean, you just never know. So it's a a great opportunity uh, for people to sit down and say, uh, I I could take advantage of that. And, um, you know, the The flip side of this coin, too, is we always want to take into consideration what the cost of the refinance is compared to what the the savings is going to be. Um, it always matters what what are you losing to refi? Um, because i I've seen loan officers in the past that, refinance people into these low rates and it's because they've got exorbitant fees that are just tacking onto the loan and every time they refi, the loan balance is going up. Um, That's not a good practice. Generally, never a good practice. Uh, But um, when you come in and you sit down and we work through this, one of the, the next really important parts of this that you'll come to realize is that every interest rate um, sort of has a, a charge or a credit. And so just picture this is like on the table in front of me on my far left, I have a 3% interest rate. And then right in front of me, I have a three and a half interest rate. And then to my far right, I have a 4% interest rate. The one directly in front of me might have two or $3,000 in cost. that three and a half percent. Then the, the, the 3% might have $10,000 in cost, and then the 4% have no cost. Um, I'm using really loose generalizations to sort of rope you guys into some logic over the radio here, but the reality is, is that every borrower on every transaction all the time has an option to select an interest rate that has little to no closing costs, moderate closing costs to the extreme of really high closing costs and some people elect to do high closing costs because they know they're going to be in their house forever it makes perfect sense They understand that it's okay. Um, Other folks know um, that they're here for a a job that is only going to have them here for five to seven years, and they're likely to be moving just like they always do, and paying fees up front is just a losing proposition for them, so they don't, they err on a higher rate side. So again, the reason I bring this up is just to drive home the point that we're always very conscientious of what the refinance costs you compared to what you're going to save and exploring those options of what works for you. You know, this is how you might be able to accomplish doing a loan where you could shorten your term, keep your payment the same, and not even have any fees. You might be able to shorten your term, lower your payment. And have some fees that you could pay out of pocket or add onto your loan amount. There's a bunch of different ways to slice that. So sometimes, you know, people say, Oh, I thought about refinancing, but I know it costs a few thousand bucks. And I I don't have that. So I don't come. I, I don't I've never called you because I don't have the five grand it takes to refi. Um that's crazy talk because you now know sometimes there's a little bit higher interest rate where there's no Upfront costs. Sure, you're going to pay more in interest over the life of the loan, and you got to know that's the the cost of doing that deal. However, compare that to what you have today. Um, so, point being, we could sit here and keep talking about the reasons why you, the homeowner with a loan, um, has made the decision to rule yourself out. <laughs> I don't need a loan. I can't afford a loan. Um, I don't want to go back to 30 years. My dad said, don't refi if you don't save a whole percentage point. All of these arguments, um, sometimes they're valid, sometimes they're not. But I assure you, uh, coming in to sit down with us to find out whether or not you've made your correct assumption, um is that's just seldom a bad idea so i I just say i want to encourage everybody to give some real thought to that um and and we got some moms listening today that are thinking about their their kids that are struggling and griping about the mortgage think of them encourage them to explore it these are the ways that we help makes people's lives better we got to do the top of the hour break here we'll be back in a few minutes with another hour of mortgage matters stick around
4: When the night has come, and the land is dark, and the moon
1: is the only light we'll see.
3: All right, everybody, welcome back. No,
1: I won't be afraid.
5: Oh, I,
3: I didn't see in the news. He passed away, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday?
5: Benny
4: King, yeah. hmm
5: It's a great song. I love that movie, too. The movie is so (coughs) great. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
5: Right in the middle of childhood. it just reminds me of those carefree, adventurous childhood days. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway. And River Phoenix is no
4: longer with us. There's another part That's of that,
3: a movie about those kids, like the kind of coming of age. They go on yeah. the camping thing. They go walk like the train tracks, find the dead body. Mm-hmm. They find a dead
4: oh, body. Yeah. It's a Stephen King, um based on a Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: my kids want to watch that, and then I was like, "Yeah, oh, I love that movie." It's a great so then movie. I let them. And then through the movie, that when they're like kiss, they're cussing and smoking and. Looking at, like, a dirty magazine and all. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not positive this is good for, like, 10-year-old boys. Sure it uh, is. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's okay. I think. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. Me, you remember, like, when we were kids, like, the cartoon characters smoked cigarettes and stuff? Mm, yeah, kind of, yeah, I do. If you ever go back and watch some yeah. of those old cartoons, it's kind of a trip.
5: Yeah.
4: Oh, the Flintstones <coughs> used to smoke. They used to the Flintstones actually a- used to advertise cigarettes. There's advertisements I've found where Fred is advertising
3: and cigarettes. Wow. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And nowadays you're gonna have yeah. like the teletubbies advertising like an e cigarette, then, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the late Benny King. What a great song. Thanks for that, yeah. Jim. No problem. Oh, it's a good yeah, it's that a good was one. cool. Mm-hmm. So Dan, we we started off the show here talking about the economy um, and the yeah. feds. The feds sort of came out and just basically said uh, everything's a bummer. And um, so why? What's going on? <laughs> What's the problem? Is it just because it was winter? Yeah, that's what just, all the excuses are. Just because gas fell? I mean, I
5: mean, there's a there's a few things. It's things are just not consistently. On the upswing, it's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, weather always always can contribute to the ups and downs of economic activity. We had, what was it, final reading of GDP for the first quarter. And, you know, first quarter was pretty bad. 0.2% growth. That's at an annualized rate, 0.2%. That's not a good first quarter.
3: How can... It be that way when rates are zero I mean you get like a you can get it's, a zero percent car loan you can get zero percent credit cards we darn near have zero percent mortgages well I, I think one of the most obvious explanations would be
5: wage growth or lack of lack of wage growth there's not a lot of residual or disposable income um, for the average American to be out spending and helping spur on growth. Um, a real cold winter in a lot of the country doesn't help motivate people to get outside and do that stuff, but shoot, man, you can buy online. I think it's Craigslist.
3: It's Craigslist. Craigslist is what's contributing to low spending numbers? Yeah. My wife and her friends, uh, and, and not just Craigslist, but my wife and her friends, um, buy and sell things on like this, uh north county buy sell trade on facebook have you seen these things i have not yeah there um there's there's one basically for every city in america now hmm. and it's a community where you can just post some things for sale that you've got around the house uh and whether it's like shoes your kid outgrew um and of course you know someone in your facebook network has a kid that those are cute shoes and their kid is outgrown their shoes and will fit those ones that your kid no longer fits so there's lots and lots of used items trading hands today that just aren't that's just not seen I mean when I was a kid there was the recycler right that like the little you guys had a recycler in your town didn't you like the little uh Kind of classified ads thing where people, if you had like an old set of golf clubs to sell, you could list them in the recycler for 50 bucks or whatever, right? Sure. Um, And then otherwise, if you needed to do that, I mean, how about the good old-fashioned yard sale? That was how people got rid of stuff like that. Um, Today, seven days a week, most hours a day, you can find anything you're looking for deeply discounted from its retail price. All over the place right here in your own town where you could drive across town, um, buy something that was 70 bucks new for 15 bucks from some guy that's super pumped to have 15 bucks for something he no longer had a use for. Um, So how much of that is influencing how the economy is measured? Not enough? I'm going to say that it's probably not that much. I'm, I'm sure it's a factor.
5: Though I'm I'm sure there's some contribution. I mean, have
3: you bought furniture on Craigslist?
5: I have, and and I am convinced that you can buy very good quality stuff on Craigslist. But I just don't think that when we're talking the kind of numbers that go into generating even a tenth of a percent of GDP, that Craigslist isn't what's impacting that.
3: And I don't mean only Craigslist,
5: though. I'm talking this out. This is a factor. Okay. The dollar. Oh, sure. The strength of the dollar. The strength of the dollar in the first quarter led to exports of U.S. goods declining over 13%. Now, what did that mean in terms of GDP? Um, People who know more than I do have, have crunched the numbers and decided that that decline in exporting contributed to a one and a quarter percent decline
3: in gdp shush just exporting one and a quarter percent i didn't even think we were exporters i thought we were just importers huh all right well there you go that's pretty good i mean I mean, one and a quarter doesn't solve the whole problem, but that makes up about half of what we needed. That's a
5: that's a big dent. Yeah. And I mean, think about what what have the recent quarters been in the last when I say recent, last five years, have we had any quarters that are three percent or higher? Or is everything kind of in the two to two and a half range?
3: There's been a couple readings that were high like that, but but yeah, I mean I'm gonna tell I I've, if this were my million dollar question, I would say we've averaged two and a quarter. So this is I mean that's a good chunk. It's a good chunk right there. Um yeah, but what are you going to do about that? You need a you you kind of need and want a strong dollar, right? It's good and bad, yeah. <laughs> Double-edged sword there, too. It is. See, this is why we just need to switch to one world government with one world currency. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Um, based on the Bible that when that happens, we're all like dead and stuff. That's not a good thing. The European
5: Union's kind of experimenting with that on a slightly smaller scale.
3: Yeah, they have been. It hasn't exactly been easy, has it? No. Especially...
5: If you're the the lagger, everyone's looking at you. What What are you doing? (laughs) It's going
3: great. When when the economies are all doing good, what a great idea. Right. Uh, Then all of a sudden, there's a a little bit of uh, chop in that water, and a couple of the smaller boats are struggling to keep up with the bigger boats, and it's like, hey, what's with dead weight back there? Yeah. yeah. Interesting to see how all that shapes up. Um, and how's the dollar compared to the Euro, by the way? It's darn near one to one. And that's not always been the case. No. I remember I took a, a, a trip.
5: Gosh, what's it been now? Almost 10 years now.
3: I need to trade this hundred dollar bill for some Euros. How many am I going to get? Yeah. You're going to get 60. Hey, thanks. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Oh, and Levi's (laughs) are 300 Euros here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And doesn't that, um also impact that strong dollar has a big impact on um the people that vacation here in the united states when you can come from europe and you're 60 euros picks you up a hundred dollars us and you can stomp around disneyland and hollywood and all those things uh why not it's almost like yeah i don't want to lose money and stay home let's go to the land of discounts where our money buys us double so in today's dollar um those other countries are it's not exactly a great time to to Plan a trip to visit the U.S. and come spend your money here. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the change in tourism dollars happens because I suspect we're still a big enough draw that people still come. But what if you planned your vacation two years ago to come this summer? You've got to be looking at it going, hey, uh, you know how our budget was like we saved a 100 bucks a month for three years for our U.S. vacation. Uh, Now, all of a sudden, like we can only go for one week instead of two because everything's essentially double well and then then there's the flip side to that how many americans are now saying well
5: now's a great time to go over to europe and travel or to some other country my dad's in germany right now yeah he's and he was he was i was talking to him right before he left and he's like oh man and it's great the euro's like basically the same as the dollar right now so that was a factor in him deciding to go over there yeah that's funny
3: Yeah, I was talking with a friend of mine um, over Christmas break here where uh, he works for a multinational company that's based um, here in um, Taiwan and the dollars just clobbering them. They're having a real tough time and they're distributing all around the world. And it's the dollar is having a big enough deal compared to the rest of the the currencies that it's it's hurting bad. So you know that strong dollar is definitely having some impact on that. Um, And doesn't it, um, how does it affect, so we know how it affects U.S. exports pretty dramatically. How does it affect the imports into the U.S.? no reading on that that wasn't in the newspaper no it wasn't but
5: you can only imagine that it's having impact there as well i mean it's it's affecting the flow of goods in and out of the country are we now buying more foreign made things or less
3: less right Start to think about the exchange rate and and the purchasing power for too long and, and get lost in the logic. That's what happens to me anyway. So then I come back to going, you know what? I'll tell you how to fix this. Let's just start making stuff here for people here. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll sell it to people here with the money we use here. And then we'll all be Okay. This week on Shark Tank, I saw some guys that started an American-made clothing company, and uh, they got one of the sharks, or two of them, maybe maybe three of them, made a deal to like back these guys. But they were talking about um, being competitive in the American market with American labor making clothes, and they were they were needing to sell some jeans for, man, what did he say? I think he said a pair of jeans, and they looked. Like Levi's, maybe a little bit cooler, but um they're like a hundred and thirty bucks. You ever bought a pair of pants for 130 bucks, Jim? No. Neither. I don't really want to pay 130 bucks for a pair of pants. I'm sometimes Dan surprises me, so I don't know what he'll say. But Dan, have you ever bought a pair of pants for 130 bucks? Jean denim pants <laughs> for 130 bucks? No. No. <laughs> No. i i have a sister-in-law that regularly is wearing pants that are known to be more than like several hundred dollars for a pair of pants huh and they're probably made in china for you know, fancy pennies yeah, yeah right yeah. and they're, that's not because of good american labor i don't think right. yeah. um i i'm pretty happy with the fit of the costco pants <laughs> yeah they're, they're like twenty two ninety seven mmm Oh, anyway, yeah, I mean, did you were you looking for an answer to the question or no? Were you like aming
5: Well, I just was. You were getting me confused, and so then I had to double check before I said anything. <laughs> so, what did you find out? No, not the, the, a stronger dollar means that the foreign goods are cheaper for us. Yeah, but so we're buying more. I mean, it's it's hurting us. We're not able to get rid of our goods overseas, and you know, we can we can get stuff made overseas cheaper here so it's just having a really
3: bad but those overseas countries are struggling on getting goods to us and being profitable because they're not getting the same return on what they're doing
4: um a lot of people i know when they come from europe they'll bring an extra suitcase and stock up on american clothing yeah no back over there seriously my
3: um my I have family that lives in England and that's one of the things they do. And did you know that there are like regulations on how many pairs of like Levi pants you can take with you when you leave the U S no, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Well, they may, they actually have like a more or less illegal income stream. This was years ago, but Mm. um, every time they came over to visit, -hmm. They would, when they left, they would leave their clothes behind to feel to fill their suitcases with Levi's. Yeah, because you could sell them for so much more there. You know, I got to tell you, I when I
4: went went over there, I went over there a few years ago, and and this we stopped at this one place on a tour, and there was this department store, sort of like Macy's over there, kind of along those lines. Okay, and they were having what they called their white sales and stuff going on. It's the big thing all over there. So anyway, I looked at, I thought, well, that's kind of a nice shirt. I might want to buy that shirt. I was looking at the shirt on sale. It was a hundred pounds, which was like $200 American. I was wow. like, I am not buying that shirt. That's fancy. That's crazy. It yeah, was like, I could have bought that shirt here at, well, Sears or, macy's or something or even walmart for like 20 bucks, bucks i grew up
3: poor so i never got to go yeah. i still haven't really been out of the u.s granted uh-huh. i've been to mexico yeah. right my, my family went to mexico yeah a, kind of a lot when i was i mean not a lot but at least like every year mm-hmm. um for a few different reasons but primarily was um, we worked on this orphanage down there because my dad's a builder and we went and and worked on this orphanage, but I remember, um, having some money. I was like, I don't know, I was probably like 12 or 13 years old and I, I'd finally had a job and I had some money. I had a few hundred dollars and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was excited thinking that we, when we went to Mexico that I was going to buy some things there because Mm -hmm. you know, it was so cheap. Um, I found a pair of Nikes that I liked and wanted Mm -hmm. and the price tag for these things was like 28,000 pesos. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I, I was like, Whoa, I, I don't know how Uh, much that is, but I'm pretty sure I can't afford that. Right. And then it was like four bucks. Yeah. You could have afforded it. (laughs) Yeah. So the exchange rate thing is, uh, it's always pretty baffling. Yeah. It's amazing. Guys, it's just after 10:23. Um going to take a commercial break here, take some time out to thank the sponsors. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or a comment. If you're not out enjoying this beautiful first Saturday of May, um, give us a call. The number is 543-8830. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. To
0: ask a question or make a comment, call 543 8830 or 800 549 5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors.
3: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property, lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today or refinance a home just call 543 loan just call 543 loan we're the mortgage experts
1: on the central coast central coast lending The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez.
3: All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters, you guys. Thanks much for being with us. If you have a question or a comment, call in and let us know, 543-8830. We got a phone call here from Mike and Slo. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Jason. You got a question? I do. I heard your show a couple weeks ago. I didn't know if it was a rerun or not. You stated
6: that uh, you saw home values doubling in the next 10 years. <laughs> Please tell me that's true.
3: I, I'm sticking by those guns and, you know, I, I should have learned my lesson because maybe it's 10 years and doubling is still kind of subjective, but, uh, you know, you're supposed to predict when or how much, but never both. Um, but yeah, you were listening to the show. I mean, I, I really believe that I've got a great sound argument and unless something else happens that I can't foresee or predict, I think that's the track we're on.
2: That's what I like to hear.
3: <laughs> yeah, man, I, I really do. I think that we're headed for a what is could only be described as a crisis.
2: Outstanding.
3: Yeah.
2: I'm a homeowner in San Luis, so I just wanted to make sure. You'll
3: enjoy the extra equity. You did my loan, so I hope so. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. I got, I got a lo- an awful lot of feedback, by the way, from the comment d- – we had that two weeks ago, the discussion where I was saying that I think California real estate is going to double in 10 years. Yeah. Lots and lots of feedback. Um, some people say, I think you're right. Some people say, I think you're crazy. And then some people are downright mad that somebody would say something so just errant and foolish. So eh. I, I'm stick by my guns. Though. I think so. The, I think that the the median home value, at least in places like this in California, maybe not all, like why why would it double in places where they're building more, you know, keeping up with demand? That's the thing here. We're not. We're not even close to keeping up with demand.
5: (laughs) Where's the place that's keeping up with demand?
3: I don't know. I got to imagine like, are they building houses in like Bakersfield? I don't know. I would assume so. They got lots of land out there. Construction spending dropped in March. <laughs>
5: <I know. laughs> it dropped a little over a half a percent
3: in March. It's hard to build now, too, by the way. You know that? I've heard that. If you want to go do like a remodel or something, you know, you got to like, you got to bring some things up to code, which are now including some pretty wild lighting requirements. In some cases, some like, new fire um it's just gonna say that yeah fire sprinklers yeah there's lots of things that are going into building now that are making it more expensive um plus i mean labor's going up right and if you go now if you i mean there's a tax on a two by four today that didn't used to be there a couple years ago a gallon of paint there's there's just plenty of little little barriers that are just making it ever so bit more expensive to to build and you know your builders today need more insurances and bonds than they've ever had to have i mean it's just it's a it's a tough thing when you see that construction construction spending declined a little bit i'm like it doesn't surprise me but um i wish it wasn't the case because the only way we're gonna survive here is if we can build some houses uh, with the water situation, aren't they going to kind of restrict
4: the building permits too? One might think.
5: We had a builder on a couple of weeks ago, and we asked the question: how, "What's what's a typical timeline for building?" This is more in a new construction type of environment. But she said,
3: "Plan on about two years." Two years—that's reason starting. enough for me to not want to build. It's a long time. You, you're the outlook of the economy can change so radically in two years that you could just be along for the ride for the good or the bad. But yeah, I mean, that's the, the reality of it is that when you, we get all the way down to the bottom of it, we're in a full blown crisis. And Jim, if we stop issuing building permits in the state of California until the reservoirs are back at some reasonable level, yeah. <laughs> you know what that's going to do to the value of real estate? Mm. I mean, it's going to drive it through the roof because people want to own, and there's still plenty of great reasons to own. It still happens to be one of the greatest opportunities, I think, that we have um, as far as gathering personal wealth and having some control over our retirement. Um, Well, doesn't that kind of
4: help keep the situation high and soundless because they're even even without all this stuff, San Luis Obispo is like a really low building rate, oh yeah, oh yeah, So does that help? always have keep been. it up in San Luis Obispo sure,
3: yeah, yeah, I mean, think about it it's it it's just that just that most simple function of supply and demand mm-hmm. the demand is the people that want to live here and want to have an affordable way to live here, and then the supply is the houses that are here for them. right? They're very few. They're very expensive. And we're not adding more. So you can get in line with the rest of the people that want some. And then you guys fight it out. And whoever's willing to pay the most can be the one that that gets it. I can kind of (laughs) see Pismo
4: Beach going that way too. Because they're not annexing anything to Pismo. There's
3: really no way for them to grow yet. What I saw, I didn't read the thing this week. But um, I heard that. One of those cities down there is getting ready to um, start drinking their their treated sewage. Oh, that's nice. Did you see that? (laughs) Did you see that, Dan? I don't know.
4: I'm not positive. Going to start
3: reclaiming water. You making Uh, reclaiming gray water? No, Mm -hmm. like actual sewage treatment facility to make it into drinkable water. Mm Hmm. Hmm. I was. that's I went on a tour one time of San Luis Obispo's. i not Abispo's. sure I like that. I'm sorry, but I'm just not. Oh, well, psychologically. A little bit of uh, equal What, if, like it, what, like what if it was what? put in a bottle and wrapped with a water that, you know, <laughs> like a label that said Naive on it or something? Yeah. Um, I went through a, a tour here at the San Luis Obispo's uh, sewage treatment facility where I pointed at it. The listeners couldn't see me point at it. It's right there about um, – Three hundred yards I from like where the we, day are. we can smell it. Sometimes, oh, yeah. yeah, on a good day when, <laughs> <laughs> when the sun has got it nice and warm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, at the end of the tour, as you 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 go through the whole thing, it's where we separate the solids, and this is where we aerate it, and this is where we, you know, it goes through a natural biological process of the bacteria in the rocks eating out the nitrogen and all these things you get all the way down the end and this dude that's walked you around and you feel a little weird um there's a feeling i get like when i it's the same one when you like if you ever had to go into like an outhouse at like uh you know the fair or something and it's like up to the rim yeah or you're like skinning out a dead animal because you know you're hunting and you're gonna eat this thing, and it, but there's this feeling you get inside. That situation you know, there's no, there's a sorry. feeling you get inside that's just this like kind of. I'm barely doing this right now, and I, I, my natural everything is telling me to probably run, and I'm kind of. I just don't feel good at what's happening here. Um, you sort of feel that way when you walk through the whole sewer yeah. tour. There's the um, the ponds where they separate the solid matter and they dry it in the sun before some trucks come over. And they load the trucks with these huge tractors and take the solid matter off on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you're walking through all this, you're kind of like grossed out. And I start thinking about things like hepatitis or... E. coli or just Mm -hmm. what's going on over there that's like could be airborne should I have a mask on right now kind of feeling and you get down to the end of it and your lovely tour guide throws a glass under the uh the the spigot out and fills it up and drinks it and I mean he's pretty confident that that's pretty well treated and everything um and I just think to myself I am not convinced that's just, that doesn't seem like a good idea. And, um, but I actually think going forward, because it's a psychological thing, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that the problem? But going forward, uh, that might actually be on the horizon for all of us. That we have to. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of a sad, it's a sorry state of affairs. Well, I wonder if people would have like torn their grass out 30 years ago if they knew they were going to have to drink out of the sewer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop, I wonder if like... Stopped know. washing your car, taking those shorter showers, installed that low-flow toilet sooner. Yeah. Um, Maybe they would have. I wonder if like um
4: something like in Morro Bay where they have the power plant there. Okay. That really isn't doing anything. I wonder if there's like a conceivable way that they could change that into a desal plant.
3: Just because it, it's a big concrete-looking building on the edge of water? Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> it also has a water
4: intake. And, at, yeah, that's you know, true. I I'm guess. wondering if there's any way that they can switch it around in there to make it into a desal plant or if anybody's ever thought about that. What are we going to do with all the salt? Mm-hmm. Sea salt. And put it back in the ocean? I guess we can. What can't happens worry. with the salt? Sell it to people. Sea salt. Put it in the grocery salts, store. Sea salt's a big thing now. Yeah. Kay.
3: Why can't we sell salt? People and buy salt. Over time, are we then like somehow lowering the salinity Valley of, of the ocean? Well, I don't know about that. Isn't there more water in the ocean now? I don't
5: know. Can't we take some of it? Is that
3: where it went? I, I think mean, it's it, frozen over like the East Coast.
4: I don't well, know enough about all that. I could dump it back into the ocean but then you would probably have to go through those environmental thing about dumping environmentally protect, you know, produce stuff back into an environment. But anyway, that's a different can of worms. Yeah, certainly is. So, (laughs)
3: um, getting
5: way uh, far away from my uh, comfort zone of (laughs) what what I'm willing
3: to talk about on the radio. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Table salt. That's what what you're going to end up with. Possibly. There's your byproduct. Um. look at that it's time for final commercial <laughs> I mean it really is it's final commercial break time um, there's a few other things to talk about too um, pending home sales index came out this week we learned a little bit about uh, FHFA home price index and Case Schiller home price index how about we talk about that Dan let's do that those are things you like Definitely. and feel comfortable discussing makes before- more sense for a
5: mortgage and real estate show
3: well, we kind of depend it on water. Sure. I mean, dis- as much as anybody is. Yeah,
5: but we're getting into like desalinization. <laughs> and
3: just... whether or not that plant's capable <laughs> <Right>. of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's do the last commercial break here of the show. We get back. We'll, we'll kick back into gear, talk some some real estate economics. Stick with us for more Mortgage Matters.
0: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
1: What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm.
0: Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez.
3: Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When
1: you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
3: All right, everybody, welcome back. Just a little bit more time here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get back into the ground where we are good talking specifically about these topics. Um, I want to start with this Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Um, Case-Shiller, this index keeps track of uh, real estate prices throughout different regions in the United States. It's um, a well-trusted, well-known. Um, in this, and it, here it does have a two month lag. So we're talking today about the numbers for February. Um, that being case, it's always two months behind. And I think it gives them a little bit more time to compile data and be a little bit uh, more definitive about what uh, conclusions are drawn here. Um, and so basically what we found out is that home prices rise and we see this word again, modestly. Um, Four point two percent in the last twelve months. Um, January showed a four point four percent in the preceding twelve months. So, but still pretty good. I mean, that's a great range. Within the report here, they they get into talk a little bit about um, what's going on uh, in the overall housing economy and. The, one of the big statements here is that um, home prices continue to rise, outpacing both inflation and wage gains. Um, it's been talked about a lot lately that there is some fragility in the home market, uh, in the, the values and real estate market in general, just because of um, the lack of wage growth. So um, it's, it's kind of... You could, I could see how that on the in the big spectrum, like nationally, you could certainly see how national wage wage growth lagging behind home prices. I mean, not everybody lives in their first choice, like we do in San Luis Obispo. We're living in our first choice most of the time, um, so we're sort of immune to some of that stuff. Um, so, but in this case, what we find out is that. Um, that that has economists concerned that the housing market may not be on as firm a ground as people want to believe it is. Um, is that suggesting though that prices could decline? I don't think so. I just think it means that um, we need wages to pick up if we want to keep the momentum. I think okay. is really what it means. Um, and do looking- we want to keep momentum of appreciation greater than four or five percent? Probably not. I mean, 5% is is the high end of normal, the high end of normal. Yeah. Three to five is that range we're told is normal. Um, in the, they keep two indices, the 10 city and the 20 indice. Um, both of these indexes saw larger year over year increases in February than January. Um, and you know, bottom line is the housing's actually looking pretty good. They did, pick out two markets in particular um Denver and Dallas have both surpassed their pre-recession housing boom peaks hmm. um and so yeah that kind of tells you that if a complete recovery means that every every city surpassed their pre-recession housing boom peak we're nowhere near that there's only two out of the indices that have so um Kind of some food for thought there. Um, But, you know, bottom line is that that is a pretty good amount. And of course, now all eyes are watching to make sure that inflation and wage has similar growth. You can't have just housing growing while others stay stagnant or even decline.
5: It feels like pressure is building for the wage growth piece. We've seen a couple major employers like a Walmart. Um, What was the other one? Um, TJ Maxx, I think was the other one, where they increased their lowest um, you know, minimum wage that they would pay someone. So there's pressure there. Plus, we're seeing less and less people going to the unemployment office looking for some aid there. This week, we saw the number declined to 262,000 new applications for unemployment benefits the four-week average dipped to near a 15-year low there. So as we continue to see those numbers stay low, um, you're gonna see more more companies looking for people, more companies having to pay more to hire the talent they're looking for. And so there's, there's the pressure. We've still said that this is the year that we're gonna start to see wage growth. We're four months into the year. Do you feel the same?
3: Yeah, I do. I, I mean, you you can see how the energy, the drop in energy prices have had some impact on that. But um, all in all, I think that, and that's only certain, you know, what we're talking like really Texas and South Dakota is where the lion's share of that pain is felt. Um Overall, in the, in the country, I think that the biggest impact of lower energy prices is leaving a little bit more money in everybody's pocket, which further lends itself to adding to some additional uh, wages. And like you said, the recruitment and retention of employees in a more competitive environment is also going to be one of the leading factors. And um, there's no doubt that we're, we're hitting that stride right now. Um, I, I think it's it's just simply a matter of time. How'd your FHFA home price index look? FHFA was up 0.7% from January. So this is a month over month 0.7%. That's good. Not bad at all. In fact, it beat January or I mean it beat economists' expectation. So um, that's good. And of course, FHFA home price index that's the one that takes into account appraisals. For even refinance transactions, they're able to capture um, and crunch data on most every Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, USDA, all of the big loan programs. If you're using financing, these cats are getting your data now as far as what you're paying for your house. Uh, been able to put that in here, so it's 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 even more because it's taking refinance into consideration um, as well as uh, a purchase. So that's that's also pointing to um, pretty good numbers. Pending home sales. Let's see here. Now I got too many windows open. I got to figure out where we are. Do you have pending home sales on your side?
5: I don't know. I have some more consumer um, figures over here. There was consumer spending for March was up a little bit, so that's good. Um, hopefully, hopefully a sign of a better GDP number coming in the second quarter. That's yeah, what we really need. And then consumer confidence. There was, um, you know, still still a fairly confident consumer. So that's good. And I mean, they're out, they're showing it by their spending a little bit. Um, they're getting the, they seem to be fully employed for the most part. Now I, I even see the sign of the confidence as a sign of, of hopes for maybe a, a raise coming later in the year.
3: I really do. From what I saw in the Confu- consumer confidence report, that was the Though confidence is still pretty good, it was down ever so slightly, and part of that was based on that less-than-optimistic hope that tomorrow brings a brighter employment opportunity for most people. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's kind of touch and go. It depends on the economy. And, and remember, a lot of parts of the country are still in a pretty deep freeze, um, looking forward to thawing out and getting an opportunity to, to get – um, all things mar- moving again. Um, on back, going back to the housing front, real quick. I found my pending home sales number. Um, so this is a forward-looking gauge of what's going on in the health of real estate. Pending home sales are homes that are in contract but not yet completed. Right. So this gives us an idea of what to see going forward. Um, for the third month in a row, pending home sales. Uh, Rose, um, and, you know, they say here, the tagline to it is that it's a sign of firming demand in the housing market. <laughs> <laughs> Do we really need to be reminded that demand is firming? Uh, demand feels pretty darn firm around here. Maybe there's some other parts of the country where it's not quite so firm. Um, but it increased 1.1% to a seasonal level um, of 108.6, which is upwardly revised from February. Economists say that pending home sales would rise only 1%. So they were pretty darn close, and it's nice that we did even better. Um, Lawrence Yun, who We hear from time to time. This is the National Association of Realtors, um, the current chief economist. He said the jump in sales from a year earlier is good news, but and here's the quote part, increased number of traditional buyers who appear to be replacing investors paying in cash is even better news. So they're seeing a marked decline in the investor gobbling up by way of cash and a return to market of the normal guy that's just coming on out to buy, um, uh, replace that investor and buy a normal house just for a normal person. Um, So that's pretty good news. Um, It means that. The growth in the housing economy today is being sustained by long-term homeowners, not just short-term investors looking to get in and get out. So this this means that there is more affordability. Um, It means that there's a little bit more dependable nature in the overall strength of that economy. You want to know that... We're not seeing a bunch of new contracts because of speculative investors hustling to make a dime. You're seeing increased activity because of people that are qualified, able, and buying in the market to have a house over their own head. And that's a shift a little bit of what we've been seeing the last few years. I
5: spoke with a local real estate agent on Wednesday, and the conversation quickly turned to business Um and he asked, you know, how how our office is doing? Are you guys busy? Are you going gangbusters? I said, Yes, we are. It's it's an amazing time right now. How about you? He said the same thing. It things have really been building these last few months for him on the the purchase side. You know, we we experienced a big bulge in business and a lot of it had to do with refinancing with rates being down to where they're they're at, you know, as low as they are. We're seeing a lot of refinancing business. That doesn't necessarily mean that realtors are busy because they that's not something that impacts them. They're involved in actually selling buying and selling real estate. He said that he's feeling the same momentum right now, that things are really picking up building into the summer season, and he's expecting a strong summer purchase season this year. Um, and, and so that's that's welcome news for us all. And I think the prospect of rates staying at the levels they're at currently through the summer buying season is great for Everyone looking to buy. Everyone looking to sell too, because there's going to be a lot of people that are. It it only helps affordability right now. With as much as homes cost on the central coast, having these mortgage rates down in three and four percent land is is great. People can get out and afford the homes that are that are for sale, or at least
3: better afford them. Um, and so we're already seeing the the momentum building. We started the show today talking about the Fed's minutes. I mean, this is ultimately where the, at least we hope, the smartest people in our country get together to talk about what's going on with the economy. Um, And there was a lot of uh, mixed news in there. And all in all, I'd have to say um, it felt kind of downbeat to me, Um, but in anticipation of that meeting, we saw interest rates kind of go up just a little bit. You know, probably not even too much to note, but a little bit nervousness that the Feds could raise rates. I mean, wasn't that a possibility? Um, and and I wanted to just kind of to draw us back to that for any of the people that are listening that are considering transacting real estate, whether you're buying or selling, or if you're potentially looking at refinancing. Um, Here's the meeting dates Um, and rather, I'll just give you the meeting months, okay? Um, June is the next meeting now, then July, September, October and December, okay? And of those meetings that remain, there are three where the meeting itself is associated with a summary of projections where um, the chair of the Federal Open Market Committee will go and do a press conference where they'll release the the actual summary of everything that was talked about in a kind of a QA and a format. I mean, we've all seen these recently, right? Um, those are the ones where people most anticipate a rate hike, okay? Uh, because that gives them opportunity to talk about things in great detail, uh, why the current state of the economy has led to a rate hike. Those meetings are not every one of the Fed's meetings. So, again, we have June, July, September, October, and December. The meetings that are going to have the press conference um, right after it is the June meeting, the September meeting, and the December meeting. Uh, knowing that, that's where those meetings become the ones that all eyes are on. So leading into each one of those meetings, I suspect we'll see some choppy days in the Dow and we'll see some, um, you know, because the Dow attempts to to predict whether or not the, the Feds are going to increase rates. And that's obviously going to have an impact on the investment, um, has an impact on interest rates. So these this week is a great time to get in uh for a loan because we just learned that things aren't totally amazing at least on the Fed's radar and therefore you got to expect that um rates are going to be held low at least for a couple more meetings here so it sort of pushes us back and and so we see a little bit of decline so my my point there, like we talked in the first part of the show, there's an awful lot of people that could stand to come in and get your loan looked at, um, find out if if there's an opportunity for you to change into a different term to lower your rate, um, basically to use your mortgage as a tool to help accomplish your broader financial goals. Uh, we'd love to, to help give you the analysis of that. Um, we've Developed and utilized some spreadsheets that are pretty cool and in helping you kind of see how all that stuff works. Um, If you're interested in doing that, we do free consultations. Uh, We do them every day. So if you're interested, give us a call. The number of the office is 543-LOAN. Those meetings... I'd say they average about an hour where we'll sit down and um, get to know you and get to know um, your finances and your goals and um, everything that uh, sort of taking priority in your life and try to figure out if there's any proposal um, or if you're doing the right thing already and you just need to stay the course. So if you want to get in on that, give us a call. The number is 543-LOAN, which is five four three five six two six.
5: If you're in the market to buy a home, Um, getting pre-qualified early is the right way to do it in fact CNBC just gave some tips going into the summer buying season that one of the best things you can do as a buyer in a competitive market is get pre-approved for your loan that's not just filling out an application that's actually turning in your paperwork getting in front of the underwriter and getting a formal loan approval so that all you have to do is find your property. It will enable you to make a competitive offer, not only price-wise, but also timeline-wise. You can compete with someone who might be offering all cash and close quickly. Right now, for one of my family members who's buying down in San Diego, we did just that. And I'm excited to hopefully have an update for you in the next week or two to tell you how quickly we were able to get from the offer to the closing, or at least in a position to be ready to close, I think it's gonna be somewhere short of 10 days. That's that's the track we're on right now. It's pretty exciting, and it'll help you be a more
3: competitive um, offer when, when looking at buying a home. Find us on the web. We're at centralcoastlending.com. Uh, there's a bunch of resources there for you to check out, and then otherwise, give us a call. Let us help you, 543-5626. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be back next week with another live episode. Have a great one.